It's an amazing song. Just kind of happened. Took about 10 minutes, I guess. Bart, you didn't write this song in 10 minutes. Took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You know, I've never told anybody my story. Good morning. We're so glad you're here as we kick off this new series on this Father's Day called Real Life of the Movies. What we do during a series like this, we do this every year, is we look at what the Bible has to say, and then we show a movie clip or two, which is a modern-day parable for those of us who've grown up in the church. Jesus uses parables all the time. What do you think movies are? So they're modern-day parables to illustrate spiritual truths that we want to center on as it pertains to God's Word. And this week's is uh, I Can Only Imagine... And it's about a father and a son and the relationship and the journey that they go on. And so we're going to go a little deeper, you know, than maybe a normal Father's Day, you know, would be uh, because it's some of the subject matter. But at the same time, we think it's going to be powerful as you open up your hearts and minds to what God would have to say to you today. Now, before we jump in, you know, I don't know if you've heard the story where the daughter uh, of some wonderful parents brought her fiance home to meet mom and dad for the first time. So they come into the house and uh, they get that awkward kind of, hi, how you doing? They sit down, eat a meal together, and then mom gives dad the look. Now the look meant, go pull this guy away from our daughter and get to know him in the other room. So he picked up on that look. So he asked, uh, you know, this future potential son-in-law to go to the other room. And he says, hey, it's good to meet you. Um, uh, But I have a couple questions, maybe even some concerns as it relates to our daughter. And, he's, and the guy's like, well, shoot, tell me what's going on. And so the, 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 the potential son-in-law says, you know, well, we've been in school for a while and we're just so excited and honored, you know, to marry your daughter. And uh, so the dad says, well, I got a couple questions. Here's my first one. How are you going to provide for her? How are you going to provide? And so he begins to think, he says, well, uh, right now, I'm at school, I'm at a Christian college, and I'm a theology major, and so I get to study the Bible a lot, and uh, as I study the Bible, here's what I know, God will provide. And he goes, well, that's an honorable you know, thing to do with your life, uh, but you're trusting that God is going to provide this. That's, that's amazing. And then he asks him another question. I noticed that my daughter doesn't have an engagement ring yet. You know, is it something you guys can't afford? Uh, how are you going to provide an engagement ring? And he says, well, I'm going to study God's word some more, and God will provide. And so the dad kind of looks at him again and says, well, what about kids? You want to have kids one day? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, how are you going to provide for your kids? He goes, well, I'm going to continue to study God's word and God will provide. And so every question the dad seemed to ask, he would continue to give the response, I'm going to study God's word and God's going to provide. And so after the awkward kind of conversation happened, uh, they left. And so mom was so anxious, grabbed you know, her husband and says, so honey, how did it go? And this is what her husband said. He says, well, He has no job, he has no plans, and he has no future. But the good news is, he thinks I'm God. (laughs) Some of you guys are going to be like, what? I I don't get it, you know. It's Father's Day, you know. This is something we who live in the Spokane area can especially feel great about. Maybe some of you guys who do not know or realize that Father's Day actually started in this region because of a woman named Sonora Smart Dodd. She was sitting in church in 1909, listening to a Mother's Day sermon when the idea of Father's Day first came to her mind. Having been raised by her father after her mother's death, Sonora wanted her father to know how special he was 
to her. And we honor the moms that she wanted to say, wait, my mom wasn't here, but my dad was. For all of his sacrifices, for being in her eyes so courageous, so selfless, and so loving. So the first Father's Day was celebrated on June 19th, 1910, here in Spokane, Washington. So let that sink in for just a second. We can clap about that. We can get excited. We're known for something. Father's Day was birthed through a follower of Jesus and was birthed in a church not unlike what you're sitting you know, in right now. In fact, in 1916, President Woodrow Wilson sent the telegraph to Spokane as it began to spread praising Father's Day services. Through her efforts in 1924, President Coolidge designated the third Sunday of June as Father's Day, and in 72, President Nixon established it as a permanent national observance, always to be on the third Sunday of each year. And so our nation has been celebrating that ever since. So as Spokaneites, you know, we get a chance, and those of us who also live in Idahoans, you know, uh, we also get a chance to be a part of this as well. So what started over 100 years ago, we want to continue the tradition of honoring and thanking our dads. Now, before I ask dads to stand, here's what I want you to just kind of picture in your mind, because I want us to get excited about this. Pretend it's Mother's Day, okay? So just come with that kind of enthusiasm, you know, for dads as well. So if you're a dad, can you please stand near where we're at? We're going to give you a round of applause. Yeah! Come on. Love it. So good. And in case you didn't hear, you know, on this Father's Day, uh, there's these uh, blue cards that are on the chairs, every, every fourth, fifth chair that's there. This is to enter into a drawing. This is for all guys, not just dads, but you can fill this out. Again, there's Cabela gift cards, there's grill stuff, there's Zag tickets, there's all these things that will be geared for you. So if you want to fill that out, you know, put it in, there'll be buckets as you leave. Also, in addition to the car show, you know, that we have outside, hopefully you got a chance to take advantage, or you will, you know, um, right afterwards. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've gotten grief uh, the last uh, numbers of Father's Day, because every Mother's Day, we seem to give a nice little flower or something sweet, you know, to moms, and, you know, dads come, and we're like, here's a book, How to Be a Better Dad, you know, uh, <laughs> Happy Father's Day, you know, go get better, you know, you're just like, dang it. So uh, this year, guys, uh, I'm very, very excited. We got you beer. No kidding. We got you beer full of root, you know. So it actually is on your way out. It is Dad's Old Fashioned, specially ordered in root beer, you know, for you guys. You are welcome, you know, Dad's. So just so you know. <laughs> the other thing I don't want to miss is there's also um, a, a little card, and it's kind of a prayer card on what to pray over your kids. Uh, the reason we give you that is because I know as a dad, I'm like, I don't know what else to pray for. Uh, be safe, uh, grow up healthy, uh, make good choices, uh, be more like Jesus. What else do I pray for? So in addition to that, you'll be handed these cards that actually can walk you through 28 different prayers specifically for your kids. So hopefully that'll be an encouragement, you know, for you today. So as we kick off, you know, this on this Father's Day, here, here's the reality. Uh, fathers have an enormous impact on kids. Obviously, mothers do too, but I think we underestimate, especially in our culture, the impact that fathers have specifically on their kids, both positively but also negatively. 
Uh, and the ramifications are undeniable. If, if you go to government websites, these are not Christian websites. If you go to, uh, Christ, you go, go to psychology you know, or sociology websites, again, not Christian ones, they will let you know of the impact of fathers or fatherlessness that has in our society. Uh, for example, when fathers are involved in the lives of children, according to our government, it says that they will learn more, perform better in school, and exhibit healthier behavior. Even when fathers do not share a home with their children, their active involvement can have lasting and positive impact. On the opposite, here's the, the studies. This is just truth. Is that uh, 85% of all incarcerated men have one thing in common, and that is fatherlessness. They don't have father figure in their lives. 85%. Also, fatherless children are five times as likely to live in poverty, repeat a grade in school, and have major emotional problems as they grow. This isn't from a Christian standpoint. This is something that we don't like to talk about on a regular basis. Now, if you were to say, from a Christian standpoint, it carries over. Uh, for example, when a mother comes to Christ, if she's brand new to the faith and she starts coming to church and she comes to Christ, when a mother comes to Christ and she's the first one, her family will join her at church only 17% of the time. Yet, if a father is the first one to come to Christ, his family joins him 93% of the time. This is just facts beginning to take place. The impact of fathers in our society is undeniable, and even in our faith. So let me tell you a story that's fairly popular if you do uh, know the Bible. If you've been invited by a friend, I think you'll you know, get the, the gist pretty soon. The, about a story about a good dad. Uh, actually, let me tell you about a great father. He had two sons. Uh, and the younger son came to him, you know, one day, probably in his late teenage years, you know, college age, maybe in our, in our society, and said, hey, dad, can I have my inheritance now? What he's saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could live it up now. So can I have what I'm going to be promised later? Because I know you have resources now, and I'd really love to have it now. And so the father says, of course not. No, actually, the father does something surprising. He divides his inheritance at that time between both sons, is what he says. And so the younger son takes it and says, freedom, finally. I mean, imagine if you were in your early 20s, you know, uh, late teens, mid-20s, and all of a sudden you were given hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars as an inheritance, and this kid just went nuts. Just had a blast in his life. Talk about partying it up like a rock star. He went to a distant country, and he spent it on what the Bible would say is wild living. Just had a ball. But then two things kind of happened simultaneously. Number one, the money started running out, so it could have been months or years, you know, later. And then secondly, it was an economic turn at the same time, a disaster uh, not unlike some of us experienced in 28 or maybe our grandparents in the Great Depression. So much so that uh, it was a famine that took place in the land that he did what he thought he would never do. I mean, think about a job that you say is beneath you. What would be the worst job that you say, you know, I'll do all those others unless it's the very last job on earth, then I'll do that one. That's what he found himself doing, which was hired out himself out to a guy to feed pigs. Now for a Jewish boy, to be around pigs, growing up in a household that loved God and loved others, he would know this is one of the worst of the worst. And it was so bad that he longed to fill his stomach with the slop that the pigs were eating. And then it happened. I don't know if it was days, weeks, or months. Then it happened. The Bible says he came to his senses. Maybe you can think in your own life, those aha moments where all of a sudden you're like, what the heck am I doing? I'm a moron, you know, and you just get a little wiser that day, just a little smarter. And, and, he, and he woke up and, and, and he just came to a sense, he's like, wait a minute, how many of my father's hired servants, 
or eating better than this. Because of what I've done, I, bring, I brought obs- you know, absolute shame on the family. There's no way I can go back as a son. I know what I'll do. I will come back and ask him if I can be one of his servants. And, and so then he begins to rehearse. Have you ever had to make an apology? And you kind of rehearse it in your mind? Well, he starts rehearsing. Uh, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to become called your son. Will you please take me back as your hired servant? That's what he thinks. He's like, yep, yep, that's it. So he gets up and he starts making his way back home. I wonder how long, you know, it took, maybe several miles, maybe, maybe several days. We don't know how long it took him to get back to his house. But what we do know is that while he was still a long way off, just, just farther enough, farther enough where you could actually see the home in the distance, his father saw him, uh, which kind of indicates that the father had been looking for him. The father loved him enough to say, you know what, you're old enough to make some of your decisions, go ahead and do that, but I'm going to keep looking for you, I'm going to be here for you. And when he saw him, emotion overwhelmed the father. And he ran. Now, in Jewish circles, uh, the father, you know, in a household like this, you would never see a father that is distinguished and honoring would not run in this culture. And so there's something obviously that's moving him and motivating him to do even what would be culturally unacceptable at the time. And he runs and he throws his arm around his son. Imagine how his son must have smelt at the time. And he began to kiss him. And the son, obviously feeling some sort of shame, some sort of remorse, kind of puts distance, we know that, between him and his father because he's been practicing the speech and, and he's feeling weird right now because he doesn't know what his dad's doing. And, and so he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. His father looks at him and says, darn right, you lazy bum. <laughs> says, you moron. I told you so. You know, what's wrong with you? See, this is what should be shocking to us because if we were honest, that's what we would say. We would caution the son on the way out and we would do the I told you so and hope you've learned your lesson kind of uh, example as you come in because I'm a good father and I want you to learn your lesson because I never want you to repeat this again. That would be the good father, but he's a great father. And he throws his arms around him. He says, this is nonsense. He says, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to kill the fatted calf for you. Fatted calf would only be killed after a major party. You'd think a once in a lifetime experience, a a wedding ceremony per se. He says, "Uh, why don't we bring some shoes and put it on your feet and and let's put a ring on your finger signifying you're not a servant, but you're actually a son. You're part of the family. And we're going to put a robe around you as well. Imagine what his clothes would have been like at the time. And he says, for my son of loss was... My son of mine was lost, and he's now found. He was dead, and he's now alive again. And so they began to celebrate. What a powerful story. But it doesn't end there. You see, there's another brother. Uh, This other brother had received his inheritance too. That's what it says. It says he divided inheritance amongst his sons. So his older brother had also received inheritance, but as a a Jewish kid, the firstborn always got twice as much as the next child. And so he got twice as much as his younger son, but he's the responsible one. Right? He's the one that knows he's going to be taking the family business. He's the one that knows that he's responsible to make sure that the business runs well because if things go well, then people get fed, people get paid, people get taken care of. And so he's doing everything. He's getting up extra early and he's staying extra late. He's doing everything the father has always asked him to do and then some. And then he hears what's going on. He's like, man, there's a party. I don't, it's the middle of the day. There should be a party going on. And so he calls one of the servants and the servants comes over to him. He says, what's going on over there? He goes, oh, you haven't heard? Uh, the brother, your brother's back. And they've killed the fatted calf. So his brother gets a little irritated. Starts getting a little, a little stewing just a little bit. He said, wait, wait, wait. There, 
my brother, the, you know, the one that took and squandered all my dad's resources, the one who went to a distant land. We heard reports about what he was doing. He's back and we're partying, so he's just stewing. So dad makes his way out. Dad comes out and says, hey, whoa, 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 what's going on out here? He says, dad, dad, what in the world are you doing? Why are you having this celebration? I said, this son of yours, he's not my brother now, it's my son of yours, has squandered your wealth. He's even done prostitution, Dad, just in case you don't know what wild living is. He's doing all this thing. He has dishonored the family to as far as dishonoring as anybody could do. And you're killing the fat and calf. You wouldn't even kill a goat for me and my friends. Why, why are you doing this? And with love and compassion, Dad looks at the older brother and says, Son, son, haven't I already proved? I mean, you already got your double share of inheritance, but haven't I already proved? Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours because you're part of the family. But we have to celebrate because this brother of yours, this son of mine, was lost and he is found. He was dead and he is alive again. And then the story ends. We don't know what the older brother decided to do. We don't know because we're looking at the father and you know, we could say that this is the story you know, of the amazing father or... We could say this is the story of two sons. See, the reality is, let's be honest, let's put ourselves into the story now. Which son do you relate to the most? Are you, are you the prodigal son? If you look at the course of your life, or even right now, or, or are you more the older brother? Process it with me just a second. See, the, the younger brother, the prodigal you know, son, is is the one who grew up in a decent home and he knows right from wrong. He's, it's not because he's ignorant. He's just making dumb choices and I can see myself as that at different times in my life. I grew up in a great family, great home, great father, and yet I made some stupid choices, not because I didn't know, just because I just didn't want to do what he asked me to do. And maybe you can relate to that as well, high school, through marriage, through different situations. If you look at the course of your life, you've seen aspects where you just wasted it. Right? You look at seasons going, man, that was just a waste. It was fun. It was entertaining for a little while. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gone into that, but it was a waste. Maybe you're a person, if you look back, you've kind of bounced from relationship to relationship to relationship. You might find yourself being the younger son, trying to find fulfillment based on those relationships. Uh, maybe you're the younger son. It's exhibited with the, uh, uh, what is the phrase? Uh, carpe diem, seize the day. Uh, because today is all you have, so live it up for today. And so you bought those things, and you went on the vacations, and you did all that, and you didn't think about tomorrow, so you're paying for that now. And you have this weight because you seized the day in those examples and circumstances. You partied hard, but then maybe you found yourself isolated. Maybe you found yourself hurt. Maybe you found yourself, it's never enough. There always seems to be that next high, that next thing. You might find yourself have been the younger brother. Maybe you lose your tongue on gossip, you know, language, off-color jokes on a regular basis. You get a laugh, especially at the expense of the others. You might find yourself being the younger brother. That's the younger brother, and all of us have had some of those times, and maybe you kind of find yourself even in that moment today. We're glad that you're here, because it's a story today of good news, but maybe you're the older brother. Right, the older brother, you know, has a tendency to be part of the good family and has a hard time when other people make dumb decisions, right? Because you're the one in the family business. You're the one in the household. You're the responsible one. How come these other people are skating by, especially according to your dime, right, when you start thinking about it that way? I mean, think about it. If you're an older brother from a Christian standpoint, 
A lot of times you find older brothers in church who've been in church a long time who are irritated at the younger brother's decisions and decision-making. And you find yourself more angry than compassionate when they come back. In fact, it's frustrating as an older brother uh, because it's, isn't it the younger brothers that seem to get celebrated the most? Right, the ones who seem to have these amazing testimonies of, you know what, I tried drugs, I sold drugs, I'm Pablo Escobar, you know, I did all these things, and I found Jesus. You're like, wow, that's amazing. And you're like, I grew up in church. My story is not good. So how come they get celebrated and I don't get celebrated? Why is that? Or, or maybe as the older brother, you might, you might find yourself driving on a street and it's very easy to judge other people. You see a homeless person and immediately you begin to think, well, they, they probably made choices that put him there. Uh, you see someone who makes just dumb mistakes. You're angry at the direction our country is going in, but your anger never turns to compassion. You see, you're angry at the culture and what they're standing for and against, and you see news and media pushing an agenda that you know is not God-honoring, and the only thing that you feel is anger. There's no compassion there. There's no love for those who are lost without God. You might find yourself feeling or being the older brother. I mean, you didn't have it all. You worked your tail off. So why should other people play the victim? You might find yourself being the older brother. So we have a tendency to lean on one side or another. We do. We just have a tendency. Based on our personalities, all of us have probably been on one side or the other at some point in our lives. We have a tendency to kind of lean one way or another. But let me turn this parable completely upside down for a few moments. Maybe you grew up with the prodigal father. Maybe you grew up with the prodigal father. See, the prodigal father is one who left the family. One who was never there. Biologically, you have a name or connection. You wouldn't be here without them, but you have no relationship with them. Or maybe the prodigal father was there, but they were never really present, even though they were present. Right? If they only thought of themselves first, that would be a prodigal father. You see, in the movie, I can only imagine main character Bart grew up with a prodigal father that created, because of the impact of fathers, pain, insecurity, and a lack of measuring up. Maybe you grew up with a prodigal father who maybe didn't physically, but maybe emotionally took things out because of their insecurity, because of their pain and woundedness. They didn't know how to deal any other way. Maybe it was because of their father, and they just kind of passed it on to you. Let me show you a clip, you know, from the scene. Hey, hon. What you got there? It's a fighter helmet that I made during a big battle in space. You should worked hard on that, didn't you? What's that? It's just, it's just junk. It's a dream of art. That's good. You're imagining things. I'm gonna teach you something, Bart. Dreams don't pay the bills. Nothing good comes from it. All it does is keep you from all this. From knowing what's real. You understand that? 
Huh? Yes, Daddy. Well, see that's a piece of junk. Why don't you just go throw it away? his own pain and insecurity, you know, not knowing how and not being raised that way, he was taking it out on his son as well. Now, the prodigal father could also resemble an older brother. Maybe you grew up with kind of a harsh dad, one that's love for you was there, but it was conditional. If you turned in good grades, it was okay, but if you got that A-, minus, that's what they pointed out more. Uh, you were good in their grace as long as you did all the things you were asked when you asked to do that. You, maybe you didn't get hugged a lot. Maybe the words, I love you, didn't come from dad, you know, very often. That would be an example of the older brother. Or maybe you grew up with a fantastic father who was constantly there, who built you up, who walked you through things, and it's made a major impact on your life. See, all of us have a father. And here's the one good news that I want to give all of us, whether you've had a great dad, whether you've had a dad like the older brother, or you had a dad like the prodigal son, here's what this parable of the prodigal son teaches us, is that we all have a loving father. All of us do, whether you have a good one or not so good one. Psalm 68, 5 says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. A father to the fatherless. If you didn't have a dad, that's one of the beautiful parts of Christianity. You get a father and you get brothers and sisters, which leads us to the next one. Ephesians 1, 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Everything about what brings God pleasure, you coming into his family. Just like a father bringing a child into the world, you coming into his family, you are adopted into the family of God, and you have these brothers and sisters as well. John 1.12 says, But to all who believed Jesus and accepted Jesus, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. See, all of us are created in the image of God. In our culture, you hear the phrase, we're all God's children. We're not, not according to the Bible. We're all created in his image, but we only get to be his child, a part of his family, when we accept Jesus Christ. This isn't Dan's words, this is God's word. And that makes us part of the family with him as our father. And maybe that's the choice you get a chance to be a part of today on this Father's Day. Romans 8 tells us this way. This is what happens when we're adopted and part of his family. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, which means daddy, father. So it's not just some, you know, father professional word, but really access to him for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, don't miss this, we are heirs. We are heirs. What a great example in the prodigal son story. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. What an opportunity. You're part of the family. You get to be a part of an heir to the throne. You get, you get to have all these resources, all this connection, all this love, as we talked about even, you know, heaven these last few weeks gives us just a little example. In fact, Jesus really retaught us how to pray. What were the first two words of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. He's like, this is how you can talk to God now. 
You don't have to have this great God in the sky. You can say, no, Dad, Father, this is who I get to talk to because of Jesus Christ. We also have a Father that's full of grace. 2 Thessalonians, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. That's a lot of things. Everything that you do and say, he is going to give us grace and he's going to bring comfort. That's amazing. Now, a really good father will also do this. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, it says, You parents, if you ask your children for a loaf of bread, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if your sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So we have a father that's full of generosity. He's going to give us good gifts so every time your kid asks you for something, you're like, ooh, that's not a good idea, right? I found out last night my son said, hey, can I have a cookie before dinner? I said, sure you can. And then all of a sudden he's not eating dinner. I'm like, dude, what happened? He goes, I ate eight of them. <laughs> my tummy doesn't feel so good. See, as a good father, I would have cut him off, right? Even though that's what he wanted. So what he's asking for, our God will say yes to the things that are good for us and good for our relationship with him and other people. But we can't forget this one. He, in Hebrews chapter 12, this is what, also what a good father is. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. A father is one who disciplines out of love for his kids. Show me a kid, even just take it in our context, show me a kid who's not disciplined and I'll show you a kid who's not loved by his parents. Yeah, one who just decides to do whatever they want, they're, they're spoiled, it just doesn't, it doesn't help them as they continue to grow. Discipline is actually a good thing. A father also who provides wisdom for living is who we have. James 1.5 says, so if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. There's so many more, but just take a look at this list with the, with, because it's because of the time that we have. Take a look at that list. You know, it's a father to the fatherless, a father who adopts all into his family, a father of grace, full of generosity, who loves us with discipline, who provides wisdom for living, and it goes on and on and on. When you accept Jesus Christ, that is your father. Too often we take our experience, whether you have a great experience with our dad or a terrible experience with our dad, we think that's the dad of the God that we serve in the sky, and we have to say there may be aspects of the good side of that, but in its perfection, in its goodness, that is who our God is. We all have a chance to have a loving father and experience him when we adopt, we are adopted into his family on this Father's Day. But the choice is yours. The other part, and this is the challenging one, as fathers, as mothers, as people here on this day, all of us have an opportunity to be like the father that we read in the prodigal son story. All of us have the opportunity to act like and to exhibit the compassion, the love, the grace, and the behavior of the father. Think about it for a second. You have prodigals in your life. You have sons, you have older brothers, you have those people in your life. They could literally be your father, but they could be your brothers, they could be your sisters, they could be your children, they could be your work partners, they could be your spouses. You have somebody in your life that's like, that's like what we read in the story. How can you be like the father to them? You see, what if the prodigal father came back into your life? 
What if the prodigal father who acted more like the older brother came into your life? Would you forgive him? Would you be open to that? See, that's the wrestle that Bart wrestles with in this movie called I Can Only Imagine, is will he forgive his father for all of the pain that his father caused in him? Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. What are you doing? Do what is this? I, I wrote you some letters. Did you get them? Yeah. Threw them away. Did you read them? Nope. Oh. oh. I thought that's why you came back last night, huh? Oh, I, well. I was just trying to make a memory. That's all. That's kind of hard for me to do, Dad. Because all the memories that we have together are bad. Get some ketchup. Son, I, I know that I, I did some things that I'm... You did some so things? I got a memory for you, Dad. That night you beat me so badly that I had to sleep on my stomach because I was so bruised. I couldn't move. What was I, 10? 11? Yeah, I remember that. That, uh, that tore me up. I, I cried that all night about what I did to you, Theon. I cried too, Dad. In pain. All night. Why were you? Now you just want to come back in here, make breakfast, pretend like nothing ever happened? It doesn't work that way, Dad. What am I going to do, Bert? I, I just, I want to make things right with you and me. And um, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. I'm trying. I'm reading a lot of books I don't understand, and I just got a lot of questions about myself. I don't have nobody to, to answer them for me. You've got can forgive everybody else. Why can't he forgive me? What a great question. If you haven't seen the movie, again, I would recommend seeing the whole thing because it ends really, really well. But we also know that that's not always real life in terms of how things end and fathers coming back to their sons or daughters or whatever it may be. So if you've had a prodigal father in your life, what's holding you back from forgiving them now? And so Usually there's two reasons that people say, well, one, they haven't asked for it. They don't deserve forgiveness. You're right, it's not about them. Think about it. Who's the one that's suffering? It's you. You're the one that's going through the pain and the suffering. And what God is asking you to do is get rid of that because the person that's hurting the most is you. He wants to help you 
continue. And it's not like a one-time thing. This is a continual thing that needs to go over and over. I had a woman come to me, and she was crying on Thursday night, and she says, you know, how do I forgive someone who's passed away? And I was like, well, that person either neither asked for your forgiveness or otherwise. It's not about them. It's about you. You can still forgive them because you're the one that's still suffering from the turmoil that's taken place. And so you and I have an opportunity to be like the father, the father who forgave his son, the father who'd already forgiven even before his son came back. Do you have someone in your life that is like a prodigal? And it may not have been a father. It could be somebody else. It could be literally a child that you might need to reach out to on this Father's Day weekend. Now, if you are a father, if you're literally a father, let me just talk to you for just a second. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. That's heavy. That's weighted. Here's what I can tell you. As a dad, uh, I know myself. I'm pretty selfish. As a dad, I don't have tons of patience. As a dad, there are things that I don't like to do with my kids, that they want to do, you know? And now I have a girl, and now she's making me do weird things. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, I don't want to dress up, you know? I don't want to put on makeup. No, I am not your Barbie doll, you know? <laughs> so there's all these things, they're able to do it, but, but the job is to rein them up, train them up in the, in the training and instruction of the Lord, here's what I've learned over the years is the only way that I can do what God asked me to do as a father is by relying on my father who's in it. The only way I can do it when I'm connected to God, when I've been adopted in his family, when I go to him for strength and purpose and meaning, he gives me the ability to then love beyond me, to be able to love for them, to be able to have a different perspective and a different strength. The other thing that he provides is I need other brothers in my life. I need other guys who've gone on this journey or going on this journey that I can learn from. And please tell me the greatest mistakes, right? Be honest. Say, I blew it here. I'm like, well, let me learn from that so that I don't make the same mistake with my kids or say, hey, do this because this is the way that God would want you to do it. That would help so much. But we need to be in relationship, men, with other men to continue to go on this journey that God has called us to. So where are you today? Because here's the reality. James Dobson, in his book, Dare to Discipline, says, good fathers are made. They're not born. They're made. And as men, I do know that the temptation is, well, I'm the provider for the family. That's my primary role. Or I'm the one that provides security. That's my primary role. And those are great roles if that's what you've taken on. But there's one thing that only you can do, that God has wired you to do, and that is to be a father to your child. To be a father. Other people can help support and step in, and that's why we have church and youth ministry and kids ministry to, to try to support you know, those who've not had them in their life. But can you imagine what would happen if all of us became more like the Heavenly Father in this story? Can you imagine if we became the fathers that God calls us to be but can only be with His help? Can you imagine how we would feel if we forgave instead of holding on to rightfully the pain that was given to us. Can you imagine what it would be like to come back to the Father for some of you who've wandered maybe from Him, become a little bit more like the Father, lean on Him? You know, I can only imagine what it would be like. And now the choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come to you, to come back to you, 
to maybe offer a prayer of forgiveness even though we don't feel it at all. And they don't deserve it. They don't. But Lord, we do because of our connection with you and what you've done for us. Thank you for the model and for the example. Help us to be challenged and encouraged on this Father's Day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.